0: Welcome back to another episode of Generation Balm. We're in the studio once again, Uh, and today we're talking, I suppose we're talking something that kind of relates to passions. So Neil, thanks once again for joining me. Wouldn't be the same without you, but... (laughs) It it, wouldn't be really, would it? No, it wouldn't. It would be... It'd be just you. The singular generation of (laughs) Balm, which is not as exciting, but I was thinking about it um, just in the build-up to to this episode about passions and passion projects and that sort of thing. I know you've probably been pretty lucky. You've worked in your, in your
1: passion in yeah. your life,
0: but do you have passions outside of, of footy?
1: That yeah, you well, I, passion's amazing, passion. I always look at it and people say, when people say they're passionate about something, on the one hand, that's lovely, but on the other hand, I think it's just a good excuse to make shit decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate, therefore I'm going for it. Right. Um, but that's probably relates a bit more to footy than other <laughs> other passions of our lives. Um, are you sort of saying for someone,
0: you know, you're not on a sh- you, well Well, often don't I don't watch I, Australian Idol. Yeah. But back, back in the day when I did watch a bit of Australian Idol, it's not on anymore, but there was always the thing they'd said. They go, well, I've been working in this because that's my backup plan. They go, don't have a backup plan. You're here to sing. Is that what you're kind of saying, that like it's a reckless thing to follow your your passions? or
1: No, 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 I don't think it's a reckless thing. I think we should follow our passions. I think that's we're lucky to be human beings where we have that kind of emotional opportunity to have a passion and be able to follow it. Um, but I think a lot of people, when they say they're passionate about it and they're following their passion, sometimes that's just an excuse for them making some bad decisions or rash decisions on it, but that's probably just me being a little cynical like I can sometimes <laughs> be. Um, but the, but there's no doubt that the world, all the good things in the world are driven by someone's passion. Hmm. I, I have little doubt that that's... that's what, the way we've progressed over the years, the good things that have happened have been because people become passionate about it. And it's interesting now, we're going back to being passionate about the more traditional things like you know the the organic mm. you know everyone worrying about organic food and, yeah, whatever, true, and true. on the one hand you say oh what a load of bullshit don't worry about that but then <laughs> when you when you get involved in it you know you realize how wonderful it is mm. and how pure it is and then you do something like you know if you like drinking nice wine or whatever if you get involved in how they make them I mean it's I mean, there's nothing to do with organic necessarily but it's a like it's not there's a bit of science in it but most of it is just that if you like it you work hard at it and you try and do the same thing that you did last year and mm-hmm. the, but the but the fruit's different but let's have a crack it's it's uh right so it's, it's a, a gradual, beautiful kind of yeah yeah the gradual approach to a to a passion so it's not just
0: your your yeah, hearted one yeah. go it's actually going well i'm going to do this year and you're out and see the improvement that comes with yeah, me, maybe maybe. you know yeah, maybe, maybe going down yeah. to the the dungeon and getting your bathtub and filling it with beer and seeing what happens from there. That's sort of very yeah. good.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I guess my, my point about the passage is like, there's a lot of stuff that's a little mundane in our lives, but the, the really good stuff is the stuff that you can get excited about and passionate about. But, um, and if you're lucky enough to, to work at it, mm. um, yeah, a lot of people can't probably, but a lot of people do. Yeah, I
0: suppose there's there's the whole thing about making compromises as well. You know, people go into jobs they don't, you know, love as much as they probably would like to. But at the same time on weekends they're they're a yoga teacher, which seems to be the way, or something yeah. like that. Or they go hiking, um, for a two day hike or bird watching or whatever that is. So there's sort of that compromise there where you go, All right, I'll give my five days a week to make money, but on the other two I'll be Following my yeah well part, part passion of the problem whatever, yeah part of the saying. problem
1: of the world is that if if you're not paying your way if you're not yeah feeding your kids or it make that a quite <laughs> it's often important yeah well quite often that'll be more mundane and then the 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 other bit is probably following your passion even when we were talking to um, to Justin the other day about um, acting the, mm. lo- all a th- lot of the things were about this the cerebral side of it or the it wasn't really the making money because you're a great actor or whatever, was about understanding what you were doing. Mm, That's that's, that's the passion of it. If you understand what you're doing and then do it, process, do it. Well, it doesn't really matter. The other stuff doesn't really matter Hmm. um, unless you're committed to making money. (laughs) And maybe that's (laughs) other... Some 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 people people have a passion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But it's rare that that passion (laughs) will be productive for other people, I would would have thought. No, no, no. no, That's
0: that's true. But, I mean, we've got got a guest... Uh, in the studio, who has uh, has a passion project as well as being a commercial photographer? Uh, we got we got Benny Cap in the in the studio. But first, uh, first question to ask you: How would you describe what you do and and who you are?
2: Wow. Okay. G'day. How you doing? <laughs> Good. Great. Uh, how would I describe what I do? As in photography, or mine as my mate, my project?
0: Well, it's really up to you. It's the your you know.
2: Okay. My turn in the limelight. <laughs>
0: um,
2: yeah, so I'm a photographer. I studied photography straight out of high school. Sort of, mum gave me a camera when I was about twelve years old, and then her chemist bill got extremely high from all the film was being processed. Um, and yeah, so I just started started taking photos of all my friends and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't a very good skateboarder, and so I ended up taking all photos of my friends skateboarding. So. And uh, yeah, got a photo in some American magazine called Thrasher, and um, mm-hmm. when I was about seventeen or something, and that was that was kind of a big deal. It was of a, one of our mates doing a ollie down the five stair at our high school, which is <laughs> Mount Eliza, which is far <laughs> away from America. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that was good. And then um, yeah, just went to uh, went to uni for three years, uh, studied photography, and uh, then from there I sort of. Got a bit lost, I think, because I uh, I didn't really I'd done uh, you know up from prep to year twelve straight into uni, and Mm. I was like, man, this is my first Mm. year. I don't have to do anything whatsoever. I have no responsibilities. (laughs) What am I gonna do? And so I just I was working retail for a long time and just getting really bored and Mm. smoking a bit too much weed and just. Totally unmotivated, and you sort of wake up, you go to work, you you, you think while you're at work, you know I want to I want to uh, do some photography and stuff, but you just don't have time, you don't have the energy, you just get home and you just bug it, and then it's just
0: a mm. nonstop circle. Yeah.
2: Um, and <laughs> so I decided that I wanted to be an actor.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I did.
2: I, uh, I went and studied drama at foundation foundations year at VCA. And did a um, that sort of drama course and quickly realised that I was really crap at it. <laughs> <laughs> Better to realise sooner than later. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, just my memory's pitiful for remembering lines, and as soon as I put a camera in front of my face, it was I was that was over. So that was
0: deer in yeah. headlights. Deer in headlights. <laughs>
2: absolutely. So six months in, I just sort of quit that and uh, kept working retail and. Uh, uh, I was working retail one day and then a couple came in and started talking to me and I was like, you know, what are you doing today? And they said, oh, we're on a break from work, we're working on a cruise ship um, that's docked, in, docked in Melbourne at the moment. I said, oh, that'd be kind of cool fun. Um, and they're like, oh, what would you do? And I said, oh, I study photography. And they said, well, I'm the manager of the photographers. And so, uh, f- well, they gave me an email address and then two weeks later they were in the port again and I went on the ship and had an interview. and then. Five weeks later, I was sailing out of Los Angeles as a cruise ship photographer. Right. Um, so uh, I wasn't ever meant to be working that day. So I yeah. was sailing in for somebody. So oh, fantastic. Kind of, yeah, yeah. it's one of those of times, of time, right? That, yeah. Of those, yeah, you just could go this direction, this direction. And
0: uh, yeah. Oh, interesting on that point you made um, before about people going from high school to university to mm. doing their retail job and the motivation levels that come, well, sort of dip with that. I was speaking to a woman... Um, who's doing a PhD at the minute, she was talking about how she thinks it should almost be mandatory for either school kids to do, you know, senior school kids to do nine days out of ten and do one day where they're going to work experience to get a feel of it, or at the very least after year 12, not immediately going into uni. And, you know, I suppose the gap year comes to mind, but that's kind Mm -hmm. of an elite, elitist thing, the whole idea of a gap year, but a gap year to actually, you know, learn some life skills, I think would actually... I thought it was a pretty good idea in terms of. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good yeah.
2: idea. I think once, if you even if your gap year can be like five years, you know. And yeah. I, th- I think uh. the the point of it is you just grow up a bit. Yeah, and, yeah. And that sort of yeah, yeah you hone your focus on what you want to do mm. in your life, and I think that gap year can open that sort of that, that sort of uh, what do you call it? it? Just changes your way of thinking about the world when you you spend a bit of time in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, it life's has changed. but when when I le- way back when I was leaving school. Nearly everyone could get a job mm. and get a like a 5-day a week normal job. Yeah. One well, probably a very good one, but there were all <laughs> a lot of jobs and that was the tradition of it. Whereas now it's much more likely for kids who go to uni to ha- have part-time jobs, part-time work It makes it a lot easier for them to be able to have more time off and learn mm. a few more things. So I think probably the world's improved in a sense that way, but what what, yeah. it, what there isn't is what there's not anymore is that certainty of, you know, your five-day-a-week job, which most of us had. It might have been working for a bank or insurance company mm. or someone or public service or whatever, but there's not as many of those jobs now as there used to be. So it's sort of good and bad with it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, when, when you said... Your mum's chemist bill was huge. <laughs> and it, it just reminded me that, that so so much has changed in the world yeah. of photography, though. Does anyone use film now at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you a know, like w- one-off th- film. I don't mean, you know, movie films. Or yeah, well, even no, movie sure. films, they probably don't use that much of, I guess, do they? Yeah, it
2: just depends what sort of aesthetic you're going for mm. in the end. And um, there's a lot of um, purists out there that just really want to shoot film. I, I, I don't think there's many commercial photographers that would shoot film anymore. Um, it's just it's just too too much trouble yeah and, you um, use
0: a dark room or is that com- i did yeah, yeah, at, yeah at uni yeah.
2: we were um we were the final year to be solely analog photography right so um we learnt black and white developing and printing and color developing and printing and then um yeah in third year uh our lecturer on our very last class um pulled out a digital camera and connected
1: it to the computer. Yeah, all this shit I've been telling you before yeah, you forget yeah, about completely it. Completely irrelevant. There's a generation gap there. <laughs> oh, I remember it so clearly it
2: was a, 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 a it was a fundamental moment in, in yeah, like my be? mind. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd never i I'd heard about it, I'd never seen it before. And he bought in this <laughs> Canon D one or whatever it was and, and that, no, it was a Kodak I think. And um and, uh, yeah, just we're all gathered around the computer and he connected and it took so long. It was just kept on dropping out and then it wouldn't work. And then, and all of I a sudden, never going to work all of a sudden yeah, it appears on the screen and we're just like, <gasps> George, oh yes. my God, like, it took five minutes, but, for yeah. transfer, but you know, um, the world, yeah, we was, we the were, world was, was your like, world was changing that instant. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah. it was just like, forget everything you've just learned, um,
0: yeah, we're going digital, boys, girls, good everyone. So your hex, I don't know, your hex fee would have been all
1: for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but it's it's amazing. The but, so. but there's, I mean, there's a lot of things in the world have changed. But that, like someone like a Kodak would have, they would have been, they would have been employing. Oh no, they did. Certainly in Melbourne, they had mm. a joint. One of my mates was a yeah, doctor was out there. Thousands of people all doing yeah. the processing and all of a sudden that diminishes to not yeah. much. Mm. Now, they still have a business, I suppose, but yeah. well, they're not, on the nothing forefront. like it. Yeah. They're on the
2: forefront of the whole
1: digital... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Not so much
0: anymore. Did Kodak, are they still... Uh, do they go under? Am I, am I inventing a, something there? I feel like That's Kodak well. might not even exist. Uh, definitely not in its current form, but anyway, I suppose the they're the mysteries of... of Pitbull was a big uh, ambassador for Kodak, if I don't, if I remember correctly. Pitbull, you're a fan, Neil? What's a Pitbull? Pitbull was a rapper in his whole line. He rhymed oh, Kodak with Kodak. Oh, I, wonder why, <laughs> I wonder
1: why I haven't heard much of Pitbull. <laughs> anyway, that's going off topic. now. now. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> I, I like,
2: just want to say, though, I, I don't regret for a minute only studying analogue photography yeah. because it teaches you, you you've got yeah, to learn, how it works. You've got to learn yeah. exactly yeah. how to take the photo. Yeah. You know? You've got to learn the exposures and everything. You can't just go... Juk juk juk. Ah oh, no, now I'll just increase the exposure. There's a bit dark. Okay, there mm. we go. That's like you've just learnt something in ten seconds that it would have taken you two days, you know, yeah. get the uh-huh. film back or you know. So yeah. it's it's quite a it was quite good to be part of that.
0: I suppose I suppose the foundations of things like photography, like other things, you're not gonna just because you've learnt things that maybe the technology isn't quite as relevant. You've learnt the skills behind it that are tremendously. You know, important yeah, to the fundamentals, the really. discipline of yeah, photography. Yeah. Now, now, we have you in here um, because you do have a, a website, a photo, like I suppose it's a photo blog, yep. um, Called my dad's my mate. I do. And I suppose, well, what was the what was the stimulus for uh, for starting?
2: Uh, well, after the blog? after I worked on cruise ships, I uh, went to London and sort of assisted photographers for about four years or so um and then I went from assisting some of the really great photographers in in London and shooting stuff in LA with them and traveling around the world and doing some really beautiful stuff to going back home and uh (laughs) dossing at my mate's place on the couch and my first job was shooting a pool fence in Rosebud (laughs) so I got a little bit depressed because I you know, I was like, "Oh, I've been assisting in London for four years. Everyone's going to want to work with me, mm. but no one gives a crap." Yeah, and I just you know, and it's like, "Oh, yeah, well, he's been working here for five years, so <laughs> whatever, mate." Um, and so um, I was assisting—I can't remember what it was—but I just heard a statistic on the TV that um, only three out of ten Aussie men were close to their dads, and uh, which leaves seven out of ten that aren't. And that had a um, that has got a big link to male depression and related illnesses such as gambling and alcoholism and Hmm. all that stuff. So I was a bit blown away by that statistic because my dad is my best mate and I know all of my, well, most of my mates, they're really close with their dads as well. Hmm. So um, I sort of just started asking around with my mates if they wanted to write a little story about why they love their dad and we take a little photo for him. And Hmm. um, now I've done about 50 stories, I think, something like that.
0: What are some of the most uh, memorable you know, um, people? Or... Jack,
2: and, Jack and John come Jack. to mind, um, little Jackie. He was uh, working at my sister's bar. And uh, I said, Jackie, you to your dad? And he goes, oh, I used to be really, really, really close. But, um, you know, they, they, his parents got divorced and then his dad went through some psychosis and mm. just, um, just just things just weren't right. Between them anymore, and um, if you read the story, you'll uh, you'll see. Um, but um, he was he was just like, yeah, I'd I'd love to do this for you, absolutely. So um, his dad uh, lived in uh, Danny Warrnambool, I think. Yeah, right. And he got the train up, and you know we, they hadn't really had much to do with each other for the past year or two, and um, and it was kind of it was kind of nice to see him see each other again, and we took their portrait and. And uh, and afterwards, um, John Jack's dad was sort of had a bit of a cry and, had, and, and just said thanks so much. Like that's the closest I've been with Jack in so long, and it's it's amazing. So um, mm-hmm. I just just you know it just made, I get I get goosebumps right now for yeah. like so, even thinking about it because you know and now um, you know I'll, we had something in common. Jack and John both go for the Swans, and so does me and my dad. Um, so um, we went to the footy a couple of times together and stuff and. That was pretty good, but um, yeah, that's stuff like that just makes me super stoked, and um, just keeping on doing it.
0: So Jack, Jack, and John now, as a, well, I suppose as a result of that, not to take for you to take credit for that, but they actually are more in touch with each other, or is it? Yeah, still... Yeah, I think so. Well, I haven't
2: spoken yeah. to those guys in, in, in ages, um, but um, I know definitely that um, they're, they're they're speaking a hell of a lot more. It's nice.
1: Mm. Actually, I was interested to go back a little bit to the photography bit. Okay. <coughs> uh, it just out of interest, um, you say that you were <coughs> assisting all of these flash Harrys in Europe, etc., London or whatever. Yep. What, so, what, what was the work? Was it was it mostly was it for pictorial or was it for? Uh, um, yeah, so it was what, fashion or?
2: It was a bit of everything. Yeah, shot editorial stuff for like um, just glossy magazines over there, and, and we'd shoot advertising stuff. Um, shoot fashion stuff. Uh, it was uh, we'd shoot. We'd shoot ovens. We'd shoot. It, 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 I worked for. I was sort of just freelancer. But no pool.
1: So. F- no pool fences, obviously. <laughs> no pool fences. <laughs> yeah, no, <none>, actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's one I've got up on them, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, so it was. It ranged like we. I'd we'd shoot. I a, um a bloke who helped me out a lot actually, and he used to shoot the uh, grand designs, the stills for grand designs. And so oh, shoot yeah, Kevin yeah. Cloud and yeah. his portrait on every, whenever we uh, does the houses and then we shoot the interiors of the house and stuff as well. And my job is to carry stuff. That's pretty much my job, carrying stuff. And um, so I definitely, my physique matured a little bit from <laughs> from uh, 2024 20, to 28.
1: So, so of that, I mean, a lot of that is, that's kind of art. Um, and then a lot of it's craft in that if you, you, know, you get the exposure right or da 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 but you've got to see it first. H- what's the balance, do you think? Like, um, Oh, I think... I you, know. You've got to see the vision that you want first, but then then you've got to make sure you get it is what I'm yeah, probably I think, saying. I
2: yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with um, the direction you get given from the art director or creative director. Um, they, they'll, they'll tell you... Yeah, what... what
1: what what impact do I want? What do I really yeah,
2: want? Yeah. yeah. So they're sort of in control of what everything's gonna look like. You've just got to use your technical skills to make that happen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um so I think me my I think I'm more of a bit more of a technical photographer than Yeah, than the art, artistic. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What do you see is in terms of the actual issue with that statistic of seven out of ten um, Kids don't have a great relationship with their father, or whether it's an absent father, or what, or just just a just a strained relationship. What do you think it is about? I suppose the cultural norms in Australia that leads to so many. I mean, it's a big question, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. what leads to the, Pow. Yeah, the demise of a, or the, at least the strained the, nature of a, their relationships. I
2: think just there's a lot of um a lot of, a lot of a lot of dads these days. Um, grew up with dads who grew up in the 20s, I guess, in the 20s. Is that
1: right? Do what you're told. They,
2: they grew up in an era that
1: it was just yeah, like... Later, later, a bit Just later like, later. yeah. My, my dad, for example, was born in 1931. Right,
2: okay, cool. No offence, I didn't mean that at all. No, 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 <laughs> no, but, they, but he, his dad would have been yeah, born yeah, in Yeah, yeah, and so in, 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 that, in, that, you know, when, in that era, there was just like, don't show your feelings, don't, sh- don't show anything, don't cry. And so they got brought up with that hammered into them, so...
1: Yeah, it was all around world wars yeah, and all that exactly. sort of stuff. It a different, it like, a different Don't show way.
2: weakness or else you you're dead. So, um, I think that carries on and uh, through straight through and if, if it doesn't nothing changes then it's just gonna keep going and going. Um so Yeah, and
1: dads were well, the father in, of the house, the father of the house, was in charge, wasn't he? He was yeah. he was it. He was the authority. Yep. Um which is sort of okay unless he's no good at it, yeah, <laughs> or exactly. unless the, he doesn't treat the boy particularly, if it's fathers and sons, yeah. in that way. It's, um, it, it, you can see how, it, how the wheels can fall off in yeah, that sense. Yeah, exactly. And
2: you, you see, you can imagine in the, in the 50s or 60s and you're, you're feeling a bit, you've been bullied at school or something or you've, you've had, a, yeah. had a bad day and you, you want to talk to someone about it and you go to your dad and he tells you to shut up and go away. And well, what, what happened what in he those days? He,
1: he says, "Well, the teacher must be right," and gives you another one as <laughs> well. <laughs> Whereas I think yeah. nowadays, if you you come home, they want to go back and fight the teacher. Yeah, exactly. Which is probably <laughs> teacher probably, touches probably, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's probably not ideal either. But it, it is interesting um, that whole father something, It doesn't make any sense. But when you look at it, you can see how historically that that could well have been the case. Where yeah. kid yeah. boys are a little more sensitive. Dads have got. Just do what you're told. Yeah. Um, So I grew up with
2: three sisters, and if I didn't cry once a week, that hit me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's interesting. One one of the really um, strong things in our life nowadays is to. And if you listen to a lot of the high performers, they talk about accepting vulnerability, Mm. which is not what we said. What what I mean, don't show any weakness. Accept that. Own up to nothing. Never cry be tough well, it doesn't really help performance at all if we if we look at things like you know your your team, the swans or you know they're tough, but mm. they are, they do there's no doubt that they've come to terms with the vulnerability, which means sometimes it's not going to work. get on with it. don't worry about it, accept yeah. it, understand each other, help each other, get through it, still be tough when you have to be tough, mm. but accept the fact that it may not be or may not always be your way it's, it's certainly what quite a few of our players. Do here. They, they they understand that. I mean, they, I think Trent Cochin is probably famous now for uh, uh, instead of trying to be all these wonderful things for everyone, saying, "Hang on, what I am is what I am," which yep. essentially is saying, oh, "I accept my vulnerability. Mm. This, this is a hard job. It's a hard game to play. It's a hard life to live. Mm. Sometimes things won't work out, but that's okay." Yeah. Which which is not which is not yeah. the the way that yep. these fathers would have brought up their yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah I
0: suppose yeah. Connecting that to. Uh, the father and son relationship, there's always that kind of stereotype of uh, the working class father who was struggling to keep a job or, or that sort of thing, but wouldn't reveal how they were feeling. So I might've gone to you know the pub or whatever and alcohol yeah. and that sort of thing. that yeah. led to uh, a particularly strained relationship, whether there was other influences there. But that was like that, almost that fear of showing, well, fuck, I'm stuffed here. I'm looking after the family. I'm taking, yeah. I'm bearing mm-hmm. the, the brunt of it. And of course, you know, and that, that's led to all the of a relationship the, breakdown. And the with, relationship
1: with mum doesn't work that well. And yeah. uh, even, um, you know, domestic violence, it's, it doesn't have to always be that. But yeah. then all of a sudden, the relationship between father and son is distraught mm-hmm. because that's the last thing. The, and then what does the son kid, do? Kid when wants he to look after mum. And he, and he what just, do you do? So you can see how that sort of that does happen. For yeah. that. Fortunately, it didn't happen to me, it didn't happen to you, it didn't happen to you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, but it is cyclical, isn't it? It's like it, it, you see
0: families where it just continues on, you know, I suppose um, with alcohol and that sort of thing. If there's alcohol abuse from way back, then it might continue through. Mm. And I suppose that just that only leads to relationship breakdowns with father and son because of things that just happened in the past and just, yeah. you know, so breaking the cycle is a real yeah. difficult and one. And
2: that's though. what I want to do with my dad's heart, mate. like not yeah. just shooting... Um, people that are really good mates with their dads but people that what I really want to do is shoot people that maybe haven't spoken to their dad the, the in a while and, and and the Jack and John story rather yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. That's and it just yeah. brings people together and just you open a dialogue and mm. and like so I think a lot of people are just uh, worried that oh dad doesn't want to talk to me about that shit but he's that dad's probably sitting there going oh he probably doesn't want to talk to me about that <laughs> yeah. stuff and mm. you know it just it takes one person to and just to say something and and it's it just moves on from there.
0: I read a wonderful book from Robert Webb, who's in Peep Show and that sort of thing. Not sure if you're... I think might have, you might no, be no, a Robert. fan. Yeah, <laughs> Rob. No, no. Yeah, Rob. Hoff. Maybe. Rob. Yes, <laughs> and his book's called um, How Not to Be a Boy. And it speaks about his relationship with his father and how they their tender moments were basically his dad giving a pat on the shoulder going, You're all right, hey eh, boy? <laughs> Uh, you know, there was one moment where Robert Webb's revealing that he slept... Have I done with, that? <laughs> where Robert Webb's revealed that he slept with a few men and, you know, bisexual. And that's sort when of he's like, oh, well, you know, everyone needs a bit of love, that sort of thing. <laughs> and then just moving on with the day. But it was just such a fascinating way of um, the depiction of, of, of a shit relationship. But how his father dealt with it was he was just so uncomfortable with showing any sort of like, yeah. you know, um, vulnerability and, and openness there. But... What do you think? You know, there's there's a difficulty now. I was thinking about the pill testing and 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 mm-hmm. and the influence fathers have over and fathers and mothers have over their children when it comes to drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing. I was wondering. I suppose the old figure of the father in the '50s and all that was sort of the gatekeeper, and you know, to to for decisions to be made and and that it was it was their their yeah. choice. But now more and more, mm-hmm. it's like, well, kids, you know, they make their own decisions and what do you make of the changing role of the the father? I suppose this is a question for you, Dad. But how do you you can't be a dictator anymore as a father? Otherwise, you're going to lose your child. It seems, or like they're going to resent you later on in life.
1: Well, it depends on your makeup. I've never wanted to be that anyway, so it's lucky for me. Um, but I but I think the um, uh, there's not. I don't reckon there'd be anywhere near as much of that as there in the last 20, 30 years as there was beforehand. Mm. Uh, I think most people are a bit more realistic about you know, their kids making decisions and you want to help them get through. It's not, it's not, you're not coming up in a post-war difficult period. It's, mm. um, you, know, you, you can think pretty positively about things and encourage your kids to make their own decisions. Well, that's certainly what I've always tried to do. But, but the thing of, you know, the bad decisions kid can... You know, you, your kids want to get tattoos. How do you... you know, <laughs> no, I'm not bad But, you know, like, stuff like that, like a while ago, that would have been, oh, you're out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, now virtually any kid comes out and, oh, shit, he's got a tattoo. <laughs> I'm not that keen on tattoos. But but it, there's, this, there's this much more of an acceptance of the reality of it. Yeah. And I think... I mean, I think I try to be much more progressive in the way I think as well. I mean, and... I do remember back to when I was, you know, 21 and, you know, risk taker and thought about stuff. I mean, drugs weren't anywhere near as prevalent Mm. in those days as they are now. But I could see if you know, bring yourself forward 20 years, you could see, yeah, that could would have been could well have been a problem for a bloke like me because you, not not that I'm a drug taker at all, but you could see how. Oh yeah, that's sort of that's the accepted norm. That's the risk taking. That's where you you know you try this stuff. You, how do you go? Is that part of it? So I can see how young people would be interested in that, <coughs> but I think, but you're also wise enough to say, well, it needs to be, it needs mm. to be controlled. So it is dangerous. How the hell do you do it? But so I look at the um, the possibility of the the testing pills Hmm. even though all you're doing is giving them permission to try them well no they've already well past that (laughs) they're already at that point they're already going to try them now do i agree that they should try no probably not but they are going to and we're crazy if we don't do something about that if there's a way of testing the pills to say don't be taking them because the problem we've got is that we're relying on the Hells angels for our quality control when yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're making the bills,
2: yeah
1: so do they actually give two stuffs about whether they're any? Well, they probably do because they've got to sell it, but it doesn't really there's no well, control I don't think,
0: I don't think they'd really care about um well, maybe you know deep inside they're thinking if little Johnny takes well sorry older johnny teenage Johnny would take two of these, they might be stuffed, but
1: really they're probably thinking of the fact that they're making squillions from You would have thought so yeah. yeah. So again, where where am I going with that? <laughs> um, I don't know. No one's listening. But if we don't test pills, we're crazy. Like it's just right. nuts. How do you but? Like- but that's where we are. Like, but I even I hear earlier today on the radio, which I don't know to date this. Um, but even Bill Shorten says, "Oh well, well, if we get in, we'll be protecting January the twenty sixth. Don't worry about that." And you're thinking that you go, I get what he's saying." And you can't change the fact that January the 26th is the day that Governor Phillip arrived in whatever it is. We can't change any of that. But we also know that to, to actually celebrate Australia Day on January the 26th is, is not a pleasant thing if you're Indigenous. Yeah. Well, it, it might be, it doesn't matter to some because they're, smart, they're not smart enough, they're sensitive, work it out, don't, yeah, we can't do much about it. <laughs> but in reality, it's not much of a day. And and even now, like, I mean, Bill probably has to say this because he's saying if you blokes are a chance to get up, well, if you're going against the January of the 2016, people don't like it. It's the same as the politicians say, well, we can't say test pills because yeah. that's not what people want. Well, it doesn't, we've got to be tougher than that. We've got to be better than that. What's actually good for the people rather than what's good for the polls is the way I would try and judge Daniel it. Daniel
2: Andrews is talking about... Um medicinal marijuana being you know um, yeah well, well, but, he was, but he said he's this is when the um, the safe injecting room was up on the table still and he said well we can't um, we can't uh, do two, two at the same time yeah, the yeah, same yeah because yeah, the yeah. Time. And, the but they
1: can he knows they can mm-hmm. but he's saying like politically yeah. like, they can't because yeah. all these everyone jumps up and down and yeah, makes it it's too mental. hard for them it's, it's yeah. and, and that's and I understand. I mean, you should, say, you, sh- you should say they should have more confidence in themselves that they're making the right decisions and make the right decisions and go with it and put mm. up with it. But I do understand what they're saying. I, I mean, they, they probably there could well be an argument against medicinal marijuana. I'm not sure what it is, if it's medicinal marijuana. Mm. What, what could the argument possibly yeah. be?
2: I've got so many friends, and, <sighs> and uh, I know a lot of people that take CBD, the non-hallucinogenic,
1: yeah, it's so. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's the only way they get through. And they swear by it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's particularly with people like the romantic stuff and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's really very helpful. Anyway, that's.
0: I feel that that was a great example of a father's rant. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you do you ever think you're in, you're engaged, right? I am engaged. Yeah,
2: a lovely lady, Ellynnes.
0: And this is probably a question for Dad as well. But how do you like? You know, you're probably going to have kids and. You know, in terms of the relation to your project, but how can you have you ever have you thought about how you're going to raise your child, or can you can't really rehearse
1: for it, can you? Dad? Well, like, I must admit, I've never consciously sat down and said, "How are we going to raise these children?" Hmm. Yeah. But you knew there'd be issues that would come oh, no, along. No, no, no. Well, Is obviously that just I just think a... about it a lot, and obviously I care about <laughs> I'm it. Not going to <laughs> Yeah, but but I've never really thought, you, well, "Okay, what's the plan? What's the, yeah. you know, how, how are we going to make sure this happens?" Maybe your mother has. But I don't think she would have. But but a, a lot of it is, you know, like it's fairly natural, particularly if yeah. you actually care about your kids. It mm. is. And, and, you know, all the things sort of work. So I've never found it a, a great chore. Mm. Now, we've had to work pretty hard. At this we've had some hard times. There's never been a chore. It's always been, okay, what do the kids need? Let's make sure we're doing it. Mm. So I, I don't think you need to have to sit down and work, you know, A to, a to Z on it. Well, well, I've never had to, but maybe I've done a shit job. <laughs> yeah, no, reasons. no, we'll, we'll look, <laughs> you've done <all> right. <laughs> so, Thank you. <laughs>
0: in terms of how how do you approach like tough conversations with your father, or conversations about things that are generally seen as taboo, you know, like oh, like drugs. And, my
2: dad's dad's awesome. He's just you know, I, I could speak about absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. To him, you know, and I. I've told him before that I've done certain drugs, mm. and I've just said, you know, you just got to trust me that I'm not an absolute dickhead, and I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna go injecting anything into me, you know. And you know, I grew up in I grew up in Mount Eliza, and taking the taking the seven eight one into um, into Frankston, and walking down in Quayside seeing smackies everywhere, it sort of gets drilled into your head that I don't want to be like that. There's no chance, and so I think Dad's. Understands that I'm not a I'm not an idiot. Yeah, I suppose. And, um, and then, I mean, he definitely. If, if I, uh, I can't remember the exact time it was, but you know, when I I told him at some point that i had done, had marijuana and taken pills and maybe had cocaine before, and he's kind of like, oh. How was so, it? <laughs> oh no, you say well, you know, be careful, and you know, he, he knows that, yeah. I'm not stupid. I mean, that, but going. that
1: that is a reality. Mm. The, the, yeah. the, there are a lot of different realities in drugs. If you have a, a system that doesn't deal with it well, you you could well have, have a serious problem and you wouldn't have known you were going to and you could have well have been in a bad position, which is we all kind of know, but that's yeah. p- part of the human condition is sort of getting to that point. I mean, which but I've always had a very strong argument about decriminalization of drugs because I think what what we do by allow by having drugs run by all the crooks in the world, all it does is glorifies their position. It makes it impossible for them to not to make millions mm. because there is going to be a market, trust me, as much as we say there shouldn't be, there will be, and yeah. they're, going to, they're going to satisfy it and they're going to make that. Now, the copper's going to work like buggery to control it as, however they can, but it's always going to be there. Now, I don't, I don't know how, when one decriminalised it, how it actually works, but it's got to be better off. It's got to be cheaper... Yep. And it's got to be easier to control, and there's got to be less bloody crooks making millions. And you can tax it; you can pay for it. That's rights. what I mean. You yeah, can, yeah. That's again. I can't say that's my. Fortunately, my father had that opinion a long, long time ago. so He couldn't quite be, could believe that that was would have been in the 60s and 70s. He was arguing this. Mm and we still haven't gone anywhere near doing it because oh no no because we can't we can't say that taking drugs is okay or will start taking drugs what a load of bullshit not not one extra person will take drugs if you decriminalize it yeah. because they're either going to or they're not going to i think the stats have shown in
0: Colorado and and places where they have decriminalized at first there is a spike but then it just goes mm. back to normal yeah. if anything it decreases yeah. uh, in terms of people actually using
1: uh, legal, well, then from yes, going from. I've going not, from legal I've not seen legal. any of the numbers, I, but it, but it just makes yeah. sense to me. Well, all.
0: Anyway, what's what's the best piece of advice you've ever received from your father?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't do those drugs, son.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be careful. <laughs> yeah, be careful. That's just probably right. I think when I when overthinking stuff mm. and you know really analysing stuff, it's just like you know follow your heart.
1: Yeah, it's encouragement, really, isn't it? That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Dad's,
2: yeah. He's just... Dad's always been really, really, really supportive of anything I've wanted to do. I said I wanted mm. to do photography, and he's like, awesome. You know, back in the day, when in in year year nine, I was a bit of a rat bag, and so Dad sent me from a a public school to a private school, and I had to, had to go to Hailbury for, for a little bit and had to pull my socks up and tuck the shirt in and wear a tie and had to be an altar boy on the first day, and that wasn't a great time. But... um. <laughs> and um, but I don't know why how that came into it what was I saying
1: <laughs> it's okay no. I mean, we yeah. encourage you oh Can yeah you sorry
2: so, always, so yeah. D- back then dad wanted me sort of to look at accounting and all that sort of stuff because yeah. that's where he was from he did yeah. all that sort of stuff and he didn't really um, I guess relate to the creative side um, as much so um, when I I think in year 11 my uh, my accounting teacher Mr. Woodhead said you, you're not good at this Ben um, you might want to consider dropping this subject in year 12 and uh, only doing four subjects yeah, and can you tell joking. my dad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so I, I was like we went to the coordinator and we worked it out and so I just spent those extra classes in the dark room doing photography and as soon as mm. dad saw my passion mm. for that he um, he was just super supportive and so anything that I've want even when I said I want to sort of I want to try drama see how that goes he was like okay have a go And um, you know, just just follow what feels good. I think,
0: and that's it's so important, isn't it? When you get the, I mean, as much as we don't want to be driven by that, I think kids are always wanting to get the approval of their Mm. of their parents. You know, like they're they're the most generally the most either influential, whether negative or positive, influence in life for such a long time. Mm. So you probably hearing that from your father was like, well,
1: all right, sweet, yeah. Rather than it just
2: just made me not second guess myself so mm. much and, yeah, it's, and an, it's an interesting
1: part of it because I, I i've always tried not to like drive you or you know like make you know get mm. you to be in charge um only to, to let you make your own decisions so, so has that worked for you i mean for example actually Probably
0: leads on pretty well. I'd, I did write a piece for, oh, uh, sorry, for this. With, <laughs> no, 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 I will. And I, I, wasn't I actually, believed. no, <laughs> it i leaving question. I'll like be perfect. Was. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, well, I think we've talked about this before, but I, I never felt pressure from you, but I felt pressure internally and externally from peers about footy because it just came with the, yeah. the package, right? You know, like, are you going to go, are you gonna go play father son? You're any good at footy? That sort of thing. And I was never an outstanding yeah. footballer at all. You know, I was, I was okay. Three premierships yeah. in a row. Oh, well, that, well we got to the senior <laughs> group, but like as a kid, you know, because yeah, you were yeah. actually
1: a little—you were young, young. I know yeah. that, like a young, I- a young, young in your group, yeah, or yeah, a, yeah, yeah, immat- relatively young, immature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so I suppose. Plus, well, you needed glasses, which probably. Help you I see for most of it <laughs> career. It's like me when I played cricket. I didn't know I needed glasses in year nine, so I've got
2: i got the fast bowler coming towards me. and I'm getting bowled every single time. What the going on? But he had no fear because you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, him. they're like,
0: wow, <laughs> he can't bat, but cheese he doesn't back down, does he?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Charging down the deck, you're like, well, he's bowling spin. <laughs> yeah, I thought thought well. I just wanted to touch on the, um, the Gillette ad that was released. Um, uh, this will probably age as well, but released recently, um, and it's all about how men, you know, being the best possible man uh, they can be, rather than you know, I suppose that element of toxic masculinity that's being talked about so much. So, did you you've seen the ad? Mm. What, were yeah. your, what were your takeaways from that?
2: Um, I wasn't. I watched it a couple of times, and I wasn't sure how I felt about it. To mm. be honest but um i think their hearts in the right place and they obviously they just want to make money um and and sell some more small some more blades but um
1: <laughs> they're not doing too th- well in this room are they for for the <laughs> Listeners who can't see us, we've all got beards at the minute. But I've got a very <laughs> shiny scalp. It, so, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I use my Gillette Fusion too I'm not Tuesday and Friday. It, yeah. I'm not going to let on about any it's other waxing that I might do. <laughs> yeah, I've um, heard, I've
0: heard, yeah, a few different takes, takes on it. And I think it's such an interesting thing that I suppose they've always been influential corporations um, when it comes to selling products, but it's just a different way, almost like it's socially... Mm. Um, a socially inclusive or a socially you know they're targeting social issues that are affecting us all and it's quite divisive yeah. well
1: but- I'm, I'm, I felt well I must admit because I heard the argument that people were crook on it because it it uh, whatever it did it, it took the the cheap way to support the you know the me Tooers and all that sort of stuff so immediately I thought oh, hang on a minute but when I saw it I I was Really impressed. I really liked it. I mm. thought it was what it should be. Mm. Um, but then you look at it from Gillette's point of view. They, they want people to talk about their ads so that people buy their stuff. So it's probably they've probably got it had a quid each way to a, up to a point. But I think it's. I'm really pleased that that sort of thing is all of a sudden now popular, mm. that we can actually talk about this stuff. And, and again, I get it. Like there's a, Some of the me-tooism is, yeah, all right, it's people taking advantage. You know, They're having a go just for the sake of I get it. But we, there is no doubt that in our world, women have been disadvantaged for a long time mm. in different ways. Uh, multicultural people have been disadvantaged. And we, we have to do better at it. It's mm. just as simple it's as simple as that, and there's we can say, oh, well, hang on a minute, you know there's no good at going over the top, but we do have to be better at it mm. now. there'll be times when there's when we overcorrect and you know maybe we say there's there's got to be more women in politics, and let's make sure we have the get the numbers right where and you might not necessarily get the absolutely next best candidate, but we've probably got to put up with that a little bit, I think. Mm. Um, and and I'm not really progressive in that sort of stuff, but I said I reckon this ad. I was really pleased with the ad. Mm. I
2: think thing. it's interesting that um, Gillette. I wonder. If, I wonder if they take some of the responsibility for forming the the masculine right, stereotype that yeah. they did. You know, you've always got a, a bloke who's got a pretty inverted pyramid physique <laughs> in the mirror, shaving. He's got a chiseled jaw. Mm. He's got a good set of hair on his head, and. Uh, and sort of they've they've pushed that as that's the ideal man sort of thing and yeah, so it's prob- probably the, yeah. The, yeah and so you look at that and now the there was a lot of characters in that ad that were not not fat but they were uh, they weren't they definitely weren't um six-pack guys they were more um keg guys and, <laughs> yeah um, dad bods
0: yeah yeah and, and they weren't again. they weren't
2: like the chisel the chisel face any of them really
0: well, I heard from a, a friend of mine. Um, she said she loved the ad, but she also said Gillette have got to take some responsibility for the fact that they sort of were the the starting of the movement of the women's razors and all that. So mm. the, the the beauty conventions that's, of they've got to be you know hairless and yep. and and that while well, you know that's a relatively new thing. Whether that's come from that, but it's like all the, all these things. It shows how influential corporate bodies like, yeah. like yeah. Gillette are for the image that we're supposed to live up to, which probably, mm. I suppose, yeah, but it kind of, I suppose, in a way, obviously, your your project is far less, you know, commercially based, but mm. in terms of your project making making a difference in, in how we see father-son relationships and breaking down those things, I suppose, mm. kind of similarities, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could <laughs> link them loosely, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. but yeah, well, I mean... All of, um, uh, sorry, you go
1: on. No, 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 you, you're just trying to present the, the positive possibilities of the father-son, which we always knew yeah. should be there, but we're should saying be the, the numbers are saying <coughs> it's not quite as prevalent as we think it is. Yeah, I mean, the numbers... Or as it should be, yeah. The, the, um, <coughs> Excuse
2: me. Where are we going here? The um, statistics from Beyond Blue says there's a, a million Australians living with depression every day, uh, two million living with anxiety. One in eight men are likely to experience depression in their lifetime. One in five men are likely to experience anxiety in their lifetime. Seven Australians die every day from suicide, mm. five of which are men, and the highest rates of depression, anxiety occur in men aged between thirty-five and forty-four. And um, well, that's as good as news. I'm f- older
0: than yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> as is the highest rates of suicide. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, they're always those figures are always just staggering, um, mm. really. Which is, I you know, I suppose the importance of having connection to. Important relationships. Yeah. 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 I mean, if I can yeah. bring
2: a, uh, a couple of blokes together and talk about stuff, then that sort of. It's great. It's, it's awesome. I love it.
0: Well, we'll finish off with. Um, I'll ask you a few questions and I will read that piece just to finish Yes, the we show. did
2: take some photos of you for My Lad's We did.
0: Yes, that's right. But um, what do you fear? Fear itself. No. Just um, <laughs> there is
1: nothing to fear, it's, but. <laughs>
2: Uh, public speaking, I hate it.
1: I just hate it. Well, that's not hasn't been evident to us. This, oh, no, this, no, this is relatively good. public. I feel like it's <laughs> just you two. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. no, but I get
2: I get a lot of anxieties from um, I guess uh, probably being made a fool of and stuffing up, and so it makes you um, makes you really really nervous to uh, to to. Present yourself in front of in front of people, mm. um, and yeah, I, th- I think um, I mean it's it, it's yeah, yeah that's what I good that's what I good like.
1: <laughs> well, I reckon you're doing okay. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, Thanks. I think that's the beauty of it as well. You know, like it's actually going into a situation like this, and if you have yeah. a, a genuine fear of it, and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. terrified of it. Um,
2: <laughs> I I. I feel like that everyone's their worst critic don't they? Absolutely. Everyone, yeah,
1: Absolutely. You
2: know, I am I'm, yeah. I'm I know being, some
1: I know some people who aren't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: you know, I Sorry, no, I won't go there.
1: what do you hope for?
2: What I hope for I just I I hope to be happy in everything I do and everything that the people I love do. Does that make sense? Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. It's beautiful. Definitely. Um, and, yeah, I just, I hope that I can be uh, more than I think I can be. I
0: like that. Mm. Uh, the last book, film, or album that kept you thinking for
1: weeks? Uh, yeah, I haven't read a book in 20 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Lockie Leonard, Human
2: Torpedo. Exactly. Yes, I think we've
0: all read it. And uh, a recommendation, yeah, uh, a bar, restaurant, whatever, from your hometown or your suburb. My
2: hometown of Northcote.
0: Yes, Until, plenty around there. Hopefully, in a month's time, I'll be <laughs> living in
2: Richmond when I get approved. Um What's good? Uh, tahina, Dang. tahina on uh, on High Street. It's a vegetarian Israeli joint that just does nice. awesome pitters and. Falafel that little stuff. area there is beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. it's great. Yeah. I've been there for nearly yeah. like six years yeah. now, and it's just yeah. it's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, they do um, really, really good, good falafels and stuff, which I was never mm. ever ever a fan of until I went to this joint, and I was like,
0: when oh.
1: falafel's done well, falafel is yeah exceptional. Yeah. Like,
2: I've been told uh, to go
0: to very good falafel, but I've yes, 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 yes. There's yes.
1: some good. There's a beautiful one in. Bridge Road, but we won't talk about that because I don't want anyone else going there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I was recommended one in Paris called. It was just called Lars. Lars falafel. falafels. Yeah. and it was <laughs> and it was just simple little. It was the food was just amazing. Like, it was simple. It was wraps. It was falafel. Yeah. It was, mm, but it was oh, yeah. To yeah, for. Was mm, fantastic. Yeah, when so we went to um, uh, made with love. It was in the Marais. Yeah, <laughs> and, when we
2: went, went to Iran. And I met Elnaz's parents for the first time. She's Iranian. Um, my dad and my and dad's wife, Pam, came with us. And um, and we went uh, touring around Tehran just by ourselves and yeah. we went into a, a falafel joint. And man, that was some good falafel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for coming in, Ben. I'm. I'm I suppose I'm going to finish the uh, the show with that. You, you've got to go check out my dad's uh, my mate's fantastic blog, fantastic photo blog, some amazing photos because you are a brilliant photographer. Thank you very much. Um, so you can get
2: there on www.mydadsmymate.com. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very good. Oh, even even brought out the the beautiful eyes of of Neil over <laughs> here, which you know if you can
1: find but them.
0: Yeah. I suppose <laughs> I'll, I'll read this piece, and I don't know what'll happen here, but um, should I leave?
1: No, well that's the whole
0: point of actually reading it. So. This, this piece I wrote for, for you dad so <clears throat> where do I start with my old man hard to summarise the most significant relationship I've had in a short essay let's start here my dad Neil Baum, is one of my best friends I love him deeply I know this will make him feel a little uncomfortable not the whole one man expressing his love for another man thing I think love between a father and his son should be more openly expressed and explored I love my father and I'm very lucky to have him Very lucky. I always rib him about not spending enough time working on my left foot. (laughs) I might have lived up to his grand stature and been drafted to Richmond if we did. That was a joke, of course. (laughs) It hasn't always been so rosy. I kind of resented his stature for a fair while. He never put pressure on me to perform. I did that enough in spades. I wish I had been more open as a kid about how much I did struggle with myself. I'm a really sensitive person and I was drawn into the whole narrative of the father-son stuff. Kids would always ask me if I was any good. I was small, a late developer, not athletically gifted. There were a lot of talented kids in my year level in regard to sport. I was more of a natural in drama in the theatre, but too often I lis- listened to the hyper-masculine idealism of theatre is a bit of a laugh. Footy had to be my passion, right? I hated sport for a while. I beat myself up about it a lot. Dad once came into my room after I'd been laughed at it when I took my shirt off in Year 9 at school. <laughs> My self-confidence and self-esteem were shockingly low for most of my high school life. He noticed I'd been acting a bit strange and I'd written up a gym program. In hindsight, it was probably a little over the top. (laughs) A 14 to 15 year old running five times a week, doing a thousand push-ups, that sort of thing. I probably could have managed sixth at that stage of my life. Anyway, he pressed me on why I was doing all this and I burst into tears. I just want to play footy. I want to be as good as you, came my response. But it probably sounded more like, oh, I, just want, I just want to play. I want to be as good as you. It was a long voice. And he looked at me and said something like, footy doesn't really matter. It's, about, it's all about being a good person. And you're a good person. I'm very proud of you. He's good like that. I've heard people joke about how the only point of difference in his management style from others is his commitment to relationships and empowerment. If you ask me, that's a pretty bloody good thing to excel at. In all honesty, though, Dad's voice has always been the barometer for me. If he said something, I usually listen. Less now because I've realised he doesn't know everything. (laughs) Even though as a kid it seemed that way. One of Mum's oft-repeated complaints is, you bums know bloody everything, don't you? (laughs) I thought she was right for a while. Clearly she's smarter than we are because I do have a pretty profound understanding of how vulnerable I am, how vulnerable we are. It's only in the past year that we've generally, genuinely become great mates. Before that, it was the, remember, you don't have to always be the party leader. Don't drink too much. I know I never listened to my father either. <laughs> Not quite what people expect out of a guy who coached a club sponsored by Coopers and Penfolds for 10 years in South Australia. <laughs> the man who spoke about having a barrel after training in Richmond when he was 17. <laughs> Good way to grow up, he'd probably say. I like a drink too, but I think Dad's advice has helped me see I'm not so good at managing my intake. I've had a few issues there, but he's really helped me navigate that. Dad has been with me in some very difficult personal moments. He collected me from Thailand after I dissolved into panic after a mushroom shake. He's been there to take me to the emergency room after a panic attack or two. He's always answered my calls, no matter good or bad. I know Mum and Dad have found it pretty difficult at times with some of my stuff. I slipped into a pretty dark depression when I moved to London. Dad was always there to chat to. He picked me up from the airport when I moved back home. I fell into moods and fought through a lot of things in the first few months of returning. A lot of changes I've made to my life have been for him and mum as well as myself and I feel much better for it. His acceptance, openness and caring nature kind of saved me. (laughs) The other side of dad, he's bloody funny. He loves old school blues and rock. He's a, great lover of, he's a lover of great literature and we bond over good books. He particularly loves Richard Flanagan's Narrow Road to the Deep North and that book is truly amazing. Dad is really gentle. I know Jeff Southie and John Nichols might raise their eyebrows incredul- incredulously at that comment, but he's a big teddy bear. He smacked me on the ass once when I was four or five and I cried for a week. <laughs> After seeing the impact it had on me, he swore never to smack any of his children ever again. <laughs> We probably only had one really heated argument and that was about January 26 and what it means to celebrate that day in the eyes of uh, Indigenous Aboriginal people. He's now adjusted his views because he stepped into other people's shoes. We talk about social issues all the time. He's a bit of a new age lefty. (laughs) A democratic socialist, he'd say. Bernie Sanders, Jacinda Arden and Gough Whitlam would be proud. That's why he's so amazing to record a podcast with. We started Generation Balm, here we are, for our relationship and I think anyone who has listened has come to understand Neil and his grand empathy and interest in others. I'm a really emotional person. I think that's, that's had an impact on Dad. He's not outwardly emotional except when he's talking about umpires or the traffic. <laughs> but that's more anger and frustration, as you can imagine. But of late I've noticed he sheds tears a little bit more often. he probably hate me saying that. I'm crying now writing this. Uh, He means so much to me and I'm I'm desperately lucky to have such a full and interesting person as my father. He's still growing as a person. I don't want to end up with tears in my eyes so I'll end with Neil's usual response to how are you today. Very good. Any better and I couldn't stand it. (laughs) I try not to put the hero tag on anyone. Mainly because he'd probably hate it, and he avoids it himself. But Dad is my role model, one of my best mates, and my hero. And I love him even more now than I know he's not. Right. Now that I know that he's not right about everything, he's a rare gem. But still, at the end of the day, I've won more senior football premierships than him. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming in, Ben, and thanks for the opportunity to. Uh...
2: Um, thanks for being a part of my dad's my mate. Yeah.
0: And, yeah, it's good to, good to do this podcast with you, Neil. So uh, thank you for listening once again. Anyone who's still on board yeah. and we'll speak One to you soon. One day I'll write about you. <laughs> <laughs> my son's my mate. <laughs> I
1: will, and he is.